This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And in this episode, I'm joined again by frequent guest, Winning at Home counselor, Stephen Kreitzer. Hey, Stephen. Hey. How's it going? Good. Glad to be here. Yeah. Glad we're able to do this. And, you know, I was thinking about how I was going to intro this and talk about what you were going to be talking about today without kind of taking away everything that you were going to say, you know? Yeah. It, I've, I feel that when I go to speak somewhere and someone comes up and they're like, what are you going to talk about? I'm like, well, you're going to find out in like 15 <laughs> minutes, you know, just hang right. on. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't know. I don't, I guess I'm a terrible summarizer or I feel like this whole thing is building to something. So I don't want to tell you the end before we get there. I don't know. Yeah, anyway, way, yeah. so all that to say, I'm not really going to do much of an intro other than Stephen shared at our premarital event. We do two of those every year for couples who are engaged or newly married. And Stephen shared some things about communication, some things about couple dynamics, and some things about what it looks like to be in relationship as husband and wife. And so a couple of the things that you shared really jumped out and you and I have talked about them since then. And I just wanted you to share your thoughts from that and I'll interject and share my thoughts as we go. So Yeah. Well, I remember um, there's three distinct things that I shared and I'll just start off with the first one. Yeah. If that's all right, because they do kind of build off of each other. And um, I usually talk about it in terms of building a house. Mm -hmm. So if your marriage is a house, the foundation has to be, in my opinion, found in Ephesians 5. If we start there, because I'm pretty sure that's where I started at the premarital event, um, the really, the way I talk about that is um, if God is making all things new, how does he try to make marriage new? Hmm. How does he redeem it? And uh, that was the first part. And in my opinion, the foundation of marriage, we have to start there. So is your perspective on that, you know, as you're seeing couple after couple after couple in your practice, is part of your perspective shaped by how often it feels like the people who are coming to you to work through something, they're in a rut that they don't believe things can change for the better? Is that part of where you're coming from there? Yeah, they've lost hope. Um, yeah. That is the the biggest reason why people get a divorce. Hmm. They've tried so many things, nothing seems to work, and the hopelessness leads to, well, this is so painful, hmm. I can't get out of it. So I know divorce is horrible, but it'd be better off than yeah. this. I'm already trying so hard. Maybe they're trying so hard and we can't figure it out together. Right. But whatever the dynamic is, I just can't see this being made new. Yes. And yeah, that's a cool, a uh, cool take. I don't think I've ever come across that idea from anyone other than you sharing it. 
you know, of this idea of your marriage being made new and, mm. and how that plays out because like you're saying, we know that's who God is and that's what he wants to do. Yeah. So what does that look like? Yeah. So cool. I, um, I use the metaphor of a fairy tale mm-hmm. and, um, the reason why is because it's easy. Everybody knows what a fairy tale is. I actually think that a fairy tale, the actual story comes from the story that um, God is creating. So I don't think that God just creates the idea of a story. I think he actually creates the the actual story. Mm. And because where does a fairy tale come from otherwise? It's always the same story. And so if you think about the classic Disney story where there's a fair maiden trapped in a tower and a guy is like, I'll save you. And I'll say that um, of all people, Disney isn't going to say that um, women don't know what they're doing and they need a guy to rescue them. That's not the point at all. I think they were putting both the the female and the male in their positions so that they could play out their roles. Hmm. And what I'm not talking about there is um, roles like who cuts the grass or who um, does the dishes. That's not what, what, what I'm talking about anyway. I'm specifically talking about what the husband and wife need to do in a marriage relationship to keep the marriage rolling. And so there's some stereotyping there, but I think overall, everyone I've talked to in my counseling office says the same thing without me even telling them Mm, what I'm about to say. They all will say the same thing. And so after eight years of doing this, um, almost 10, because, well, yeah, eight years of winning at home, I'm like, I, th- I think it's, I've, I have a large enough sample size to say that this is pretty fair to say. Yeah. Um, so not every marriage is probably like this or will relate to this in the same way, but they will on some level. Okay. And so the, she's put in this role um, and he says, I'll rescue you. So he pursues her and is willing to sacrifice for her. And as he does that, um, he bursts into the room, and you see the camera doing the 360 slow-mo, so you can right, see both yeah. of their faces at the same time. And he sees her, and he's so glad that he just put his life on the line and pursued her. She is uh, thinking about all these things in her heart, and she begins to realize, wow, he, he just pursued me and sacrificed for me. And he's glad he did it. And so her natural response, usually in the fairy tale, is to receive him. Hmm. And there's usually this soft nurturing, like, oh, are you hurt? There's an embrace. There could be a kiss. Um, all this sort of thing. And we we say things like, oh, and she gave him her heart, meaning that he did it. He won her hmm. over. And yep. Now she's she respects him enough. Um, she trusts him enough um, to say, yeah. I want to be with you. <laughs> yeah. And and guys live for that moment. So this is the fairy tale. You'll see this story almost in every story, if not every story. You know what's weird is while you were describing it, I was first thinking of a bunch of Disney movies and stuff like that. Yeah. And then I started thinking about the game for original Nintendo Mario. Yes. That's the whole deal, right? It is, yeah. He's going and pursuing and jumping in pits and all that yeah. to try to get to this end goal. Right. And yeah, that's crazy. That story plays out it's, over and over. It's true. Yeah. 
it's the um, plot line of pretty much any story you can think of, um, even Marvel comics or DC comics or what we would stereotype as guy movies, these action movies, they're still the fairy tale story. It's just focusing on the guy part of it. True. Like it's me, it's Batman. Wait, that's not me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so it's <laughs> Batman trying to fight these bad guys to save the city yeah. slash probably another lady. Sure. And so in that sense, the, the city would be the, the feminine part of that, if you will. So having said all that, most guys, if not women also, will think I have pursued this girl, I have sacrificed for her, and I have won her over. And I offer her the ring. She says yes. She receives me, and we live happily ever after. Hmm. Not realizing that you have to live out the fairy tale story every day. Hmm. So this is why I'm saying this is the foundation of every marriage because every marriage goes through this story. So here's what happens when people come to see me. They will start to tell me their own version of the story of how it breaks down, how the fairy tale story breaks down. So it doesn't matter who starts it. It's usually both and. But let's just say the guy doesn't show up for a couple of days um, in this metaphor, in this right, fairy tale story. Right, and you're not talking like actually doesn't come home for multiple days. But in terms of our relationship, Mm -hmm. I'm not putting in the effort. Yeah, it doesn't show up. And we know what that, you know, I can immediately transfer what that looks like in my relationship. You can immediately transfer what it looks like in yours. Yeah. And it probably, however many people are listening right now, it probably looks that many different ways Mm -hmm. for what showing up looks like. Yes. Because... I'm not married to a person. I'm married to Annalise. Mm-hmm. You're not married to a person. You're married to Amy Joe. And right. so this looks like what Annalise needs from me for showing up, right? Yes. And so we're going to we're going to relate to this but maybe in different ways. Even mm-hmm. you and I are going to relate in different ways from each other. Right. Yeah. And so I'm using that in this metaphor or this fairy tale of the guy just not showing up to the castle yeah. to fight for her. So he doesn't show up for three or four days, and she um, is st- sitting there. And we'd go back to Genesis where um, both men and women, I believe, are cursed. And it's mm-hmm. an interesting thing because in this fairy tale story, the hero is also the person who originally curses the mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. It's the only story I know of that does that. So God (laughs) curses, but then he rescues us Mm. from the curse. So um, interesting. But um, he, one of the ways I think that, in my opinion, my interpretation of this, that he curses a woman is that she'll always doubt whether or not her husband loves her. There's always going to be a sore spot there. And every woman I've talked to will say, Yeah, I need a lot of affirmation that way. And guys don't get this because we're not cursed in the same way. So when we say, yeah, of course I love you. And then the next day our wife says, well, do you love me? And yes, I told you yesterday, I love you. Nothing's changed. Yeah, We don't get it. So when she's sitting in that tower metaphorically and the guy doesn't show up for three days, what is she thinking? I knew he didn't love me. Hmm. So when he does show up, 
four days later. And he's thinking, I didn't have to show up every day. So he shows up the fourth day and starts to do something that's loving to her, shows up in in their marriage a certain way. She doesn't receive him with this like soft nurturing, like, oh, thank you. She's harsh, critical, and hurt Mm. and, and doesn't receive. She does the opposite. She rejects him. He's confused by this, and it hits his curse, which part of a man's curse in Genesis um, is that everything we set out to do will be thwarted on some level. Mm. So nothing's going to be easy. So we're like, of course I'm messing this up too. And so that hits us. Yeah. So as we experience that, it really hits us hard. And um, let's say it's the opposite though. Let's say he's showing up every day. So... Whatever is loving to his wife, he's showing up. He's um, seeing things that need to be done around the house and initiating and and doing it on his own without her asking or loving her in her love language. And, you know, as a human, she doesn't every day show up and receive him. Mm. So he shows up and she's doing her nails and she turns around. She's like, oh, hey. And that's all she says. She's like, looks back at him and says, why are you wearing that? And looks at her clock and says, well, if you would have worked on your sword play, you could have been up here earlier. Hmm. And so it's just critical rejecting. She's not receiving. It's the opposite. In both scenarios, the guy's going to look up at that tower the next day and say, is it worth it? Do I really want to go up there? If I'm not going to get received, in fact, I'm going to get rejected. I'm not going to do that. So he stopped showing up. And I'm doing something that is already unnatural for me or something I don't want to do, right? Right. I'm doing it for the reward, yes. essentially. To be received. Yeah, to be received. And so, you know, as you're saying that, I'm guessing that nobody who's mad about the idea of like, oh, so you're saying the man is the Prince Charming and the woman is the damsel in distress. They've already shut this off a while ago. They're mad. They're, they hate you. So yeah. those people are gone. Yeah. But if you're still listening, you are getting that that's not at all the part of the fairy tale that you're talking about. Right. It's not the Prince Charming and the damsel in distress. It's the act of pursuing mm-hmm. and the act of receiving, not because one is all powerful and one is all vulnerable. Right. But because it's the way that that we're wired. Yeah. You know? And while you were talking, I was thinking, for me, it's interesting because a lot of the ways that people describe showing up when it's talking about in relationships, it's the man struggles to remember, hey, I need to kiss or hug or touch my wife not intending this to be a sexual thing multiple Mm -hmm. times a day just to make her feel cared about. Mm -hmm. I need to tell my wife I love her, not because I need something from that, but because she needs to hear that. And those two things are like totally easy and natural for me. You know, what Annalise, what it looks like for me to show up for her is her, you mentioned it briefly, love language is words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. And what really means a lot to her mm-hmm. is if I identify one thing that she did or one thing about who she is 
and I guess for lack of a better word, kind of compliment or praise her about that. Mm -hmm. Now, where we run into difficulty is that in my brain, the way I would interpret a compliment or praise for something that I view as insignificant, I would view that as an insult. You know, it'd be like, you thanked me or you complimented me for doing that? Like, did you not think I was competent to do it? Did you not think I was already going to do it? You know, so I'm reminded that showing up means treating her in a totally different way than I would want to be treated. Mm -hmm. And it's a unique challenge because it's not natural. It's not something that we would do on our own. Right. You know, it's kind of in that kind of vein, but I want to give a little bit of a, I don't know if it's a non-traditional, but not the exact typical way that we talk about showing up Mm -hmm. a lot of way pursuing like that, you know? Right. Um, So that's what I was thinking while you were talking about that. No, I think it's a great point because not only are we different gender wise, because I believe that femininity and masculinity mirror who God is, hmm. both he's both. Yeah. So I don't want to ever dilute those. And what we're not talking about there are roles and stuff For like sure. that, but um, how we're wired, but also we come from different family structures. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're different personality types yeah. and um, we have different love languages, different needs. And so people miss each other all the time because you love and interpret the other person, like you're saying, through yourself. Yeah, yeah, totally. Or if you hear somebody else say, men need this, women need this. And remember, you're not married to man or woman. You're married right. to the specific person that you're married to. Yeah. And pursuing Annalise might not look like pursuing most every other woman in the world. Right. That doesn't matter. Right. My job is to pursue. Yeah. And it looks different. It's not based on every woman is like this. Every man is like this. Right. It's based on your partner. And mm-hmm. you got to figure out how to pursue them and how to receive them. Yeah. And so another point to that is um, it's not that I never receive anything that Amy Jo does or if she can't pursue or sacrifice for me or vice versa, <laughs> right, yeah. I would say on a, as a general rule, I've never had a woman come into my office and say, man, my husband, he just keeps initiating loving things and is so thoughtful. Like his initiation of things around the house and being a leader, that drives me crazy. I can't stand it. <laughs> and sometimes he'll even, right? <laughs> and sometimes he'll even do it sacrificially. Mm. I don't feel loved by that at all. It's always the opposite. Mm. I wish my husband would notice me. He would care about me. In a word, I wish he would initiate loving acts. He would show up. I don't hear guys say that. Right. I hear guys say, nothing I do is ever good enough. Mm. He's like, I just want her to be happy and I'll be happy. Mm. What is he saying? I just want her to receive me. Yeah. I can't tell you, every couple says it in their own way, but it's always the same thing. It's always the same pattern. Here's what's so cool about the fairy tale that I'm talking about. In Ephesians 5, that passage, Paul says, here's the answer. Here's an answer. Um, Husbands, 
love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Mm. So he's saying, okay, husbands, what, what should you be like? Okay, if Jesus is the, is the groom in this story, in this metaphor, then he came into enemy territory, Satan's kingdom mm-hmm. here on earth, and he was willing to pursue us even while we were still sinners. And he actually sacrificed himself for us. I'm like, man, that sounds an awful lot like the story, mm. the fairy tale story. Yeah, it does. And that's what I was saying at first. Like, I think that he even creates the plot line of all stories in, in some sense. And so he, um, he says, yeah, guys, if you do that, you'll be a good husband. Mm. And he says, wives, what are you supposed to do? And um, you can say submit, some say respect. Um, I like the word receive, um, and some people might feel uncomfortable about that, but the word receive, I think, within it is a submission and respect, but also a lot of other things. And I think submission in the sense of a master with a slave is kind of how we think about submission. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the problem. Even if the word submit is the most accurate way to translate that right is that the idea that paul was trying to communicate right you know it it definitely doesn't seem like it and it doesn't make sense in how it plays out in my relationship right you know so i i like that the idea of receive yeah and it it includes the meaning that Paul was trying to get at. Yeah. And relationally. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Because relationally, there is a submission on both parts, which mm. is right be- before that the passage where he says, submit to one another. Yeah. How is the guy going to submit? Well, he's going to submit to his wife by pursuing her and sacrificing relationally. How is she going to? Well, she's going to receive him. There's a submission in that, but it's a relational submission, not a master slave submission. So, that's a really tough one to get at. I think psychology helps us quite a bit with that. So I just like the word receiving because I'll, I'll talk about that with women. And as soon as I say it, I'll say, do you know what I mean by that? When you receive your husband, do you know what that feels like? And she smiles and says, yes. Yeah. I don't even have to explain it. She's yeah. like, yeah, I know what that is. So women know when they're receiving yeah. with their heart and they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, guys know when they're pursuing and they're sacrificing. Well, I had that exact experience while you're describing it. I'm like, oh, this is what it looks like for me. Yeah. You know? So what Paul says there, and this is this is the whole point, um, and this is where I think that he's helping us make marriage new, is he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So guys, pursue and sacrifice your wife for your wife. <laughs> sacrifice your wife. <laughs> sacrifice for <laughs> your wife. <laughs> just took a drastic turn. <laughs> And so meaning that if you show up, let's go back to the the fairy tale. If you show up and she doesn't receive you the way you want her to, guess what? Out of obedience to God, you need to show up tomorrow. So it's it's a command. It's not based on her response. It's not conditioned. It's unconditional. I'm feeling tension in my body (laughs) while you're saying that. I'm like, oh, but that sucks because I do what it. I do what I think she needs, mm-hmm. even though I don't feel like doing it. Yeah. And if that's not received joyfully, right, <laughs> gratefully, yeah. then I'm like, oh, okay, that's 
why did I just do that then? Right. Yeah. It mm. makes sense if your marriage is the only organism you're living in, but if there's a bigger circle that you're living in, like the story of God, the yeah. relationship with God, then it's a bigger story within. So my marriage is just one small story within the context of the larger story. So I think that's what Paul's doing. He's saying there's a bigger thing going on here than just your marriage. Mm. So you're able to, out of obedience to God, show up mm. every day, even if she doesn't receive you, because you're not doing it. You want her to receive you, yeah. but you're doing it out of obedience. And I'm telling you, that is the hardest thing a guy will ever have to do. Mm. It's way harder, takes way more strength than anything else. So I tell people, if you want to live in a, um, an epic fairy tale, or you like watching guy movies, that's one thing. But to be in one, you're like, ooh, this is, this is really hard. Like that dragon I just had to slay, the fear of rejection, that was a hard dragon, but I showed up anyway, mm -hmm. and I'm going to show up again tomorrow. It's the same with women. He says, wives, if we use this word receive, receive your husbands, period. Mm. Not if he shows up on time, if he shows up in the way you want him to, if he does the love language exactly the way you want him to or when or says the right things, nope. When he shows up, receive him, mm. even if he hasn't shown up for a couple of days. Mm. Now, I'm not a wife, but I can imagine that's just as tough. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking the the tension that I felt inside, the anxiety I felt building in yeah. my chest. We've got some people that are feeling that right now. Yeah. You know, because it's yeah, it it feels unfair. Yeah. You know, it is. <laughs> it's like, well, hang on a sec. How come I'm the one that's being asked to go above and beyond instead of we're both committing to going above and beyond? Mm -hmm. But we, obviously where that gets you is you go, oh, okay, you're going to put in 70% of the effort that I'm putting in. All right. I'm going to come down and match you at 70 or more likely I'm only going to do 60 then, mm -hmm. you know, and before you know it, nobody's trying anymore. He's not showing up. And when he does, she's not receiving him. And that's the predicament everybody's in when they come to see me. Mm. It's always the same. Yeah story. And so if people will do it out of obedience to God, it starts to break that cycle of ungrace and it's starting to redeem marriage itself. Mm. The curse, women as their husbands show up, even when they don't receive and even when they're at their ugliest, so to speak, you yeah. know, of any sort of ugly you could think of, they start to find redemption from the curse of, I'm not lovable. Hmm. Like, maybe he does. Maybe maybe he does love me. It starts to redeem that. For men, as their wives receive them, even when they're not perfect, they start to believe, maybe I can do something. Hmm. It starts to redeem the fall. And yeah. to me, as I started to see that, I was thinking, that is truly making all things new. That's redeeming even the idea of marriage. And when people live that out, they're literally living out the gospel, which is grace. As you said, it's not fair. Grace is not fair. So as I live out the gospel in my marriage, it's actually making even my marriage mm -hmm. new. Yeah. 
to me, that's beautiful. That is. And, awesome. and, and people feel that and they start to say things like, wow, we have a great marriage or I feel connected. I feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first part, the fairy tale. That's the foundation. I tell people, if you can't do that, nothing else you talk about in marriage is really going to work for very long because the foundation of a building is the whole, it's the whole point. It's the, it's the foundation. So you have to be able and willing to live that out. Hmm. That's just what it takes. Yeah. That's the reality of marriage. And that's an epic tale yeah. that you're, you've got yourself involved in. And yeah. if you're not willing to do it, well, you'll be in a contract marriage, which is if I do anything good for my spouse, then maybe I'll get something back. Hmm. But if I don't, then I'm, I'm going to get nothing. So nobody feels loved by that. It's just essentially buying Right. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Transactional. Mm-hmm. Instead mm-hmm. of unconditional or a covenant yeah. marriage. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's one of the main differences between um, a covenant and a contract marriage. Yeah, for sure. If you, I mean, I just think about what it would feel like to feel like I was in a relationship where it's a contract, it's a transactional thing. Mm-hmm. And if I keep up my end of the bargain and as long as I'm doing, which of course, that's what I want to do, right? right? But to know that, hey, here we go. If if I catch you slipping up, you know, it's going to be over pretty quick. Yeah. It's like, okay, wow. You know, you, I'm, an, I'm immediately thinking of the sports analogy of going into you know, the end of the game defense where it's like, well, we're ahead and now we're playing not to lose the game. Right. So we're being really careful. We're being really, you know. Yeah. And what happens is sometimes that backfires because you're not doing the thing anymore. Mm-hmm. You're doing kind of a little sideshow version of it, right, to try to prevent or try to waste time off the clock or whatever. You're not playing basketball. You're not playing whatever. Right. And I just think, man, if, if that's how I was living in marriage going, my main role here is don't make mistakes Hmm. is don't lose this thing. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that would just, that's a heavy weight. Yeah. And to know that even if I do, there's grace there. Yeah. Um, because my wife is living out of a larger story. Yeah. Now, some people hearing this might, and I get this a lot, like, well, that's not a great Hallmark card. Like, hey, honey, 50% of what I do for you is not because I want to or I feel like <laughs> it. It's just out of obedience to God. Yeah. Happy anniversary. <laughs> um, but if I were to be honest, I would say a lot of times the reason why I'm doing things is out of obedience to God. I don't mm. feel like doing it. Yeah. But here's the thing. What we're talking about here is keeping your marriage going in the right direction. So as I'm committing to God and my wife and saying, out of obedience to God, I'm going to pursue you and sacrifice for you, regardless of how you, what you do, Yeah. Um, I will be assuring myself that my marriage is going to stay out of the cycle of ungrace, a contract marriage. Mm-hmm. There are many times, though, as you live in that consistently, 
where your marriage gets good enough to where you actually feel like doing things. Mm. So I don't know mm. about you, but when my wife does something very gracious for me, like, oh man, I really messed up. But then she comes back with grace yeah. and love. Man, she could probably ask for anything in that moment. <laughs> I hope she's not listening to this. No, I'm just kidding. No, I mean, because at that point, I just feel gratitude mm, yeah. towards her and connection and love. And then as I do that and I respond to her in that way, what does she want to do? Yeah. In gratitude and love. So I think it mirrors our relationship with God, right? I can say, well, I'm doing this because, well, I'm supposed to. I'm, I'm doing it out of obedience to you. But there comes a point where it becomes gratitude and mm. and feelings and yeah. love. So I think that comes, but it's usually the right actions first, and then the feelings come after that. Yeah, and so in a, that totally makes sense. And a, I'm, yeah. go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, in a dating relationship, this is why people get confused. Mm. It's usually the opposite. Mm. I feel like doing things, so yeah. therefore I do it. When you get married, it flips. You have to mm. do the right things in order to feel it. I don't, I don't know why that is. It just seems to be true, though. Yeah, that's interesting that, you know, that the some of the feedback is, well, that doesn't sound like a really good Hallmark card. You know, I was, while you were saying that, I was thinking, I'm, I think, we haven't specifically talked about this, but I think yeah. you're going to talk about the marriage plant as well. Yeah. Do we have time for that? Or are you planning to, or... And, we can. Okay. Well, you know, what I was thinking about was, okay, if I'm doing what our marriage needs, but it's not coming from a, I'm doing this because I want to, I'm doing this because I need to, and that's kind of resistance from people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what I was thinking of is, a lot of things that go into life are just responsibilities of, you know, this morning when I got in the car, I didn't realize it was this low on gas, but the gas lights on and I was like pulling up redlining on E bad, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm kind of running a little behind already. I don't want to get gas right now, but part of driving a car and part of not getting stranded on the side of the road is you got to fill your car up with gas. Mm -hmm. And part of the deal of living in a place is you have to do the dishes and you have to cook meals and you have to mow the lawn. You have to, you know, like some of the things. And and if I wait until I feel like getting gas, Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to be stranded on the side of the road. You know, if I wait till I feel like doing dishes or mowing the lawn, my dishes are going to pile up and I'm going to get a ticket from the city for unkept, unkempt. I don't know. I think that's the technical right word, but whatever. That's stupid. (laughs) Uh, For grass that's out of control, you know, and this is maybe the parallel in my head is clearer than it is as you're listening to me talk, Stephen, but I'm thinking about this idea that you talked about of this marriage plan. And if Mm, you can mm -hmm. just, I know you probably have a session coming up kind of soon, but if you can give us at least an overview of that, because I think it's a cool idea. Yeah, the idea is when you walk down the aisle, you get this invisible marriage plan. And um, many people don't realize this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But 
it's just a conceptual, well, it's, it's a metaphor to say that every time that I meet a need for my spouse, I get to water the plant. If I don't meet a need for my spouse, I don't get to water the plant and see how long you can keep the plant hmm. alive. Yeah. Um, I was telling this to a client. He actually said that in some cultures, you do get a plant that huh. you um, plant in your backyard. Yeah. And it's called your marriage plan. Like, really? I, I need to look wow. that up. But um, We gave little gladiola bulbs oh, to yeah. everyone at our wedding. That's and cool. ours lived like a month and a half or something. So we're like, Ooh, <laughs> let's not talk about that. <laughs> but it's, it's a good, um, I think it's a good thing to keep in mind. For because sure. if you don't meet needs for your spouse, the plant will die. And here's, here's going back to what we were talking about to tie it all together. I think... Um, Sometimes my wife wants me to meet needs for her that the very thing she wants me to do isn't a felt need for me, Mm -hmm. and it's not something I like to do, and it's not something usually that I'm good at doing. And so people hear that, and they're like, well, if you loved me enough, if if you felt enough for me, that would actually become a joy to you. And I would say, nope. Being with people 24-7 is never going to be a joy for me because I'm an introvert. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But my wife is an extrovert. Yeah. And so she would love that. Yeah. That would meet so many needs for her. Um, Some people love their space and their home to be very organized and neat. Mm -hmm. And they know that their spouse really just loves that. And they can't stand that. They don't have that need. They're not a good housekeeper or whatever. And so they avoid it. And the other person thinks, well, then you don't love me. Yeah. You're not willing to do the marriage plan. I would say they're never going to feel like doing that. So you're putting them in a really no-win situation. But if they understand that they don't like doing that thing, but they do love you and they do care about the marriage plan, so they're going to do it out of obedience to God and because they want the marriage plan to thrive, yeah. not just survive. And if I can receive that, man, that you will feel so much gratitude. When Amy Jo does things that I know she doesn't like, she she does not she's not one of those touchy feely people who love to, you know, rub shoulders and rub your back. Yeah. So if I ask her, hey, will you scratch my back or rub my shoulders and she does it, <laughs> I'm like, wow. Yeah. She must really love me That's because cool. she hates doing this mm. kind of thing. <laughs> But she does it anyway, not because she feels like it, but I still feel loved by that. And she's just watered the marriage plant. Yeah. That's that's what I love about the idea of the marriage plant. You know, you when you shared it at the premarital event, you said there's no such thing as a Christian or non-Christian plant. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, every plant needs water. Yeah. It needs sunlight. It needs uh well, it doesn't need oxygen, right? It needs carbon yeah. dioxide to yeah. turn into oxygen. Yeah. It has these things that make it go. Mm-hmm. And if we say, well, I'm just like watering this plant, it feels like work. I'm not really in the mood to do it. Mm-hmm. You can make that choice yeah. and the plant's going to die eventually yep. if yeah. you if you keep on that strategy for a while. Right. And a lot of... Um, you know, I think it's almost, 
I'm thinking a bunch of different ideas and I'm trying to wrap it up because I know you got a session <laughs> yeah. too, but yeah. you know, I'm thinking that when our understanding of love is primarily an emotional, romantic sort of idea, mm-hmm. it puts us in a spot where we want to do the things that we are in the mood to do for right. one another. But if we understand that part of love is devotion mm-hmm. and this sense of saying, I want what's best for you mm-hmm. and I want what's best for us together, how can we get there? Mm-hmm. Even when it involves me making some sacrifices, even when it involves some of the things I'm going to be doing are not done out of this emotional sense of, hey, I'm just so ecstatic that I get to do these, you know, I don't want to say drudgery type things, but these responsibility things, right. you know. Um, but if we understand this is what it takes to keep this thing growing and thriving. Mm-hmm. Some of the times when you don't feel like watering this plant or you don't feel like opening the shades to let the sunlight in, that's what it needs. Right. So the responsibility, the commitment that you made to your spouse is even when I don't feel like it, you know, mm-hmm. the the vows, if you did the traditional vows, it's the for better, or for worse, for richer, or for poorer. Mm-hmm. Annalise and I wrote our own vows. And the line I used for this is I said, I will choose to love you every day for the rest of our lives, hmm. you know, because it can be really easy to fall into the what mood am I in right now? What, you know. I've been pursuing and you haven't been receiving mm-hmm. or I've been ready to receive and you haven't been pursuing. Right. And to say, come on, man, this is the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you haven't been watering the plant the way that it, it needs to be plant, you know, to grow. Mm-hmm. I haven't either. We got to get back on the same page here. Mm-hmm. We've got to commit, recommit maybe. Right. Uh, to doing some of the things that we know would be better, but we've kind of fallen out of the habit of this. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just, I love these reminders and this way of looking at God making marriage new. Yeah. Through pursuit and receiving. Yeah. Through continuing to do the things that we know bring health and life to our marriage, to our marriage plant, and to be faithful in doing that day by day by day. Yeah. And I tell you, when um, couples start doing this stuff, they don't say it like this, but in my nerdy psychological way, I would say, you feel valued, don't you? Hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I do. When they do all this stuff, I'm like, yeah, that's... To me, that's, I like the word love, but I, it's used in so many ways, but valued, you really know what that means. For it's, sure. It still holds its meaning, thank goodness. And so when a spouse feels valued, even when they're not doing anything of value for you, whew, that's emotional connection. That's, that's, cool. that's redemption of a marriage. And so, um, yeah, it's fun to watch people do that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Let's 
leave from here, you and I, Stephen, yeah. and let's everyone who's listening, mm-hmm. let's go practice making our spouses feel valued. Yeah. That's great. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, my pleasure.